0: What does the cross mean to you? What would you say? What What does the cross? When you think of the cross, what does it mean to you? What's that? Everything. Everything. We're kind of quiet today. Usually, you guys are the talkative bunch. It's the, it's the, grace and mercy. It's the second service. I have to like prod them to like spray water on them to get them to talk. But there's lots of things we think of, isn't there? And and what I've heard, just a little bit I heard, like those are good answers. And those are, those are, there's a variety of answers that a lot of people would say. And there's answers that most of the answers that we give are like a positive. They're, they're joyful. They're, they're happy feelings almost. They create a, 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 a certain emotion in us. But I want you to look at some images of different kinds of crosses of the world. This first one is the Ankh Cross if we can get that up there. This is a cross that is, it's an Egyptian symbol. This is a a cross that was in ancient Egypt. You would see this all over the place. It was actually known to be the key of life or the cross of life. In hieroglyphics, it would actually be the symbol for life. And Egyptians believed, similar to us in one regard, that that this life on earth was only just part of just a temporary part of this eternal life. Now that's about as far as we agree, but because there's other things that are completely we that we don't don't believe in. But the cross was a symbol of our mortality, a symbol of our just our earthly existence and this symbol of an afterlife. And for the most part, this cross was viewed as something positive. This view was something that was eternal life. It was something that people weren't afraid of. Now this next cross that we see, or cross is this is the Amsterdam coat of arms and you can see three images of crosses there. And so no, that does not stand for like pornographic movies or anything like that. It's not that kind of cross. This is a sideways cross or an, or an X maybe or the Roman numeral 10. And it, it said that St. Andrew or the Apostle Andrew was... That's how he was crucified on a cross similar to, li- to, to a cross like that, a sideways cross. So it's called a St. Andrew's C- cross. In this coat of arms, you'll see three words written down here, which uh, I don't speak Dutch, even though I, I have Dutch ancestry. So I'll, I'll tell you what they, what they stand for. But these are things that maybe people will say that they, these three crosses represent each one of these words also. And the first word on their stance is means valiant so there's we show courage or we show determination the next one is steadfast so unwavering we we hold fast to what we believe in the last one is compassionate now these are good things that that i think these would be good things to have said about you right like you wouldn't wouldn't be ashamed if someone said those three things about you that you were valiant valiant that you were steadfast that you were compassionate something that even as christians these are pro- these are good qualities to have. We're not going to be offended by or afraid of this kind of cross. We're not going to be it, 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 we're not going to create like a negative emotion in us. But here's another image of a cross. If you can see that, you see right in that ch- the chest, see what that symbol is? Swastika. For World War 2, this image completely different image than what we think of. This image was an image of a life of the life-giving sun. In fact, in, and I couldn't find any pictures because, well, I don't think they really had great records before the 1900s, but it is said that this image, this symbol of this cross was used in advertisements before the 1900s. In fact, if you saw this symbol before the 1900s, you would see this symbol as meaning good luck or to bring fortune to you. In fact, if you were to go to India and places where there's a large population of Hindus and Buddhists, you would probably see this symbol still to this day in their temples, their buildings, in their houses, and they would, they would, still, they would view it still as being for protection. But something happened, didn't it? World War II came around. Changed this symbol drastically, didn't it? Because when we see this symbol, we don't look at it as a sign of fortune. as a sign of good luck. We see this as, as a symbol maybe just to represent evil, to represent hate. Here's another cross I want us to look at. We're familiar with this one. We know this one. Maybe, maybe it's like this cross over here. Tim didn't know it, but he didn't know I was going to do this series, but he replaced our one cross with this. It's a cross similar to that. So if you didn 't know any on this side of the room, take a look at it when we go by. But maybe a cross like that we're familiar with that cross. This is the image of a Roman cross that people were crucified on, something like Jesus was crucified on. Maybe something that the cross this cross is used by the Romans to put criminals to death, to put people that rebelled against the government, or people that were foreigners or whoever that rebelled. They killed them on this cross. This death was called crucifixion. And this symbol of the cross actually was more than just a death penalty. This cross was also used to deter people from disobeying the Roman government. You you needed to follow, so they would crucify people and make a public spectacle of this so people would see this and they would be fearful In fact, an example of this would be when Spartacus raised up a bunch of slaves and and they all rebelled against the Roman Empire. And when they captured them, they crucified them all on crosses. And they left those crosses up, hanging of those slaves, hundreds of them just on an entire road, just so that people would see those slaves hanging on that cross so that would deter any, any slave or anybody's thought of ever revolting against the Roman Empire again. This is what somebody said about crucifixion. Crucifixion, they say, is to die on the cross, was not only humiliating, but a slow and agonizing experience, sometimes lasting days. St. Augustine suggests that the purpose of crucifixion was to inflict as much pain as possible while prolonging death. Of course, in order to maximize the amount of pain inflicted on an individual, the Romans typically tortured the victim before fastening them to the cross. So, first century people, first century people living under the Roman Empire, this cross, this is what it probably meant to them. This is something like, you want to avoid that cross at all costs. You don't want anything to do with it. Because it meant death. It meant something that was going to be humiliating to you. It meant torture. It meant a, a painful death. So, this cross was to be feared. It was a deterrent for people to, you know what, you just better get in line with the Roman Empire. This is what's going to happen to you. So this went on, the 1st century, 2nd century, the beginning of the 3rd century. And then there became an emperor, Constantine. Roman Emperor Constantine, about 325, he legalized Christianity. So now, all of a sudden, this cross, something that was feared, you could have this as a public symbol of this Christian faith. So this this cross has changed meanings throughout history as far as first century where it's fearful. Now when Constantine comes, people display it. We have it in our houses. And this cross, the problem was is that throughout history, it didn't always maintain that same thing of lack of fear. People still over over time would fear this cross. At, At times... The, the circumstances would be that, that we would. We would see that cross, and certain people group would fear that cross. And instead of, the problem was, is instead of before with the cross, the, if under Roman Empire, you would fear the cross because of the government, because of the Roman Empire, because of the fear of being crucified on it. The fear coming now is coming from the people that are actually carrying the cross, The ones that are saying, this is the symbol of my faith. Because they're no longer crucifying people on the cross. They're forcing the cross on people. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about because maybe you've experienced it. Some of you know what I'm talking about because your ancestors did. Your relatives have. This one, I'm not going to show pictures. Because it it, it might cause too too much emotions in in people. So I don't want to trigger anybody and cause any harm. But throughout history, humankind has, there's been atrocities that they've done to each other in the name of God with this symbol of the cross. You know, one of the earliest ones that we don't, that we, we can talk about is the Crusades. But eh, probably none of us really, that affected us. But there's things when missionaries came to native lands to spread the gospel, which it wasn't spreading the gospel, forcing this cross upon people, putting them in schools, doing unmentionable things to people, supposedly in the name of the gospel. So the cross became, people of God became something to fear. There's colonization of other countries. You can see it over and over again, where again, colonize, the colon, people that colonize come and they, they, they force their religion upon others carrying the cross so the cross becomes feared i'm going to mention one other thing and this is in this list that i'm giving is not an all-inclusive list there's other things but throughout history and, and this is this is pretty recent history and even still current to this day we see crosses lit on fire we see crosses placed in people's yards in fields across the street we see these these crosses being burned just because of someone's color that's not Jesus. That's not the cross. For those people that maybe you've had that experience in your, or you've had that in your life like all I can say is I'm just sorry. I'm sorry that that was your experience with Jesus. If your family has been been that's the representation that you've seen of Christianity again, I I'm sorry. Now if I brought up something inside of you that was not my intent, my intent wasn't to harm you. My intent is to show that how this cross has, it, the image has changed over time. But it's, that cross is not Jesus. Over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at this cross. See what this means. Look at some passages in the Bible, what it says about the, about the cross. Again, we're not going to look at every, every mention of the word cross in the Bible. But maybe we'll begin to see the cross in a new way. Maybe we'll begin to see the cross as, as we should see it, as, as, as this, this symbol that represents Jesus. Now, to some, the cross still represents danger. In, in the oppressed church, in the underground church, the symbol of the cross could still mean death to you. If they find out you're a Christian, there's still churches that this still, still represents death. But in our lives right now, in Billings, Montana, we don't really have that fear, for the most part. I mean, you hear stories around the country of people being forced to maybe take down crosses or play or those places we can't put up crosses. But in reality, we're not going to lose our, our life if, if one of us is wearing a cross necklace or we have a cross in our house. Now, at home, I, I kind of have a small collection of crosses. When I travel to other countries or I travel to different places, I, I kind of keep my eyes out for for the cro- different crosses. But I keep my eye out for crosses that tell a story. Crosses that, you know, people have asked me, and say, hey, I'm going so-and-so, can I get you a cross? And I go, well, only if they tell a story. Because I want them to tell a story to remind me something. So I've got some crosses up here. So this is one I got in Africa. It's, um, if you can't see it very well, there's hands, there's the Holy Spirit in the middle, and there's these hands all coming together. And this is one that I, I've seen it in several different countries in Africa. And to me, it represents the stories of being in orphanages, of all the hands that are kind of reaching out to you when you show up there that just want to be held, just want to be loved. And just the orphans, just, the, just, just those faces. That's, that's what that one represents to me. Now, this next one is, is different. This one is, is from El Salvador. And this one's colorful, it's bright, it's cheery it's it's you know it it brings joy to you and and it reminds me of the people there like you you show up there and you go to church and they have the whitest of whitest clothes on, but their house they live in a dirt floor, and I'm just how do you get that so white and they're all so happy and so joyful and living in some of the most extreme poverty I've ever seen so it it just reminds me of that now this next cross. This one was given to me, and this is probably, this is like a dollar store trinket. But this one might have some of the most significance to me. This cross was given to me by a lady in her 60s or 70s. And I would do funerals, or I have done funerals for women that have had abortions in the past. I don't get to meet these women right away. So first time I met this this woman, I'm thinking, you know, a 30 or 40 year old. Someone shows up, and she's like 70 years old. And I'm going, you had an abortion probably like when you were in the 60s. Like, when it really wasn't like, and I'm just blown away and going, you have carried that for this long. And this cross represents, when I see, think of this, I see the healing that went on after I did this funeral, and almost the release of a new person and the joy and the joy she gave, she she had giving me this cross. I'll, I'll never forget it. So here's examples of crosses: some bring joy, some bring sadness, some bring sadness and joy. But crosses that tell a story. Let's look at the passage today in First Peter about the cross. How this cross, how this, this cross in this passage also tells a story. Tells some significance of the cross. We're going to be at First Peter 2, 21 through 25. And we're we'll reading out of the message today. So let's listen to this. It says, this is the kind of life you've been invited to. The kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done. And also know how to do it. Step by step. He never did one thing wrong. Not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became your healing. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were and where you were going. Now you're named and kept for good by the shepherd of your soul. So here we see in these opening verses, it says Jesus suffered everything. He experienced everything we ever, ever have or ever will experience. And he's giving us assurance that, you know, he did it. We can do it also. Even says, showing us how to do it. Being invited into this this life with Christ, Christ, this life that Christ lived. A life that I'm not going to lie. It says you're going to suffer. But in Christ, we have what we need to endure this suffering. <clears throat> but it's a life of suffering. Jesus gave us an example of how to face the things that we're going to find, that, we're, that are going to cause suffering to us. Things that maybe just don't seem right. That we, why are we suffering for that? Injustices that, that just, yes, why? For persecution. Persecution. This week in our staff meeting, I had everybody watch this video of Tony Evans. I don't have time to go through the whole video and go through every detail of it. But I, I got from it, it centers around Christians, we're kind of losing our way. We're losing our way in what I mean by we're losing our focus on the gospel. We're losing our focus on the kingdom of God. We're losing our focus that this is what it should be all about. We're being kind of polarized or we're being drawn to either this extreme side or this extreme side. And we're living in those kingdoms. We're not living in this kingdom of God. We're so unfocused of the kingdom of God. We're so focused on this side or this side, whatever it is, that we find ourselves, we're associating with this and we're, we're, not, we're not part of this kingdom really anymore. But... What if this life that is talked about in this passage, this this that we're reading about the cross, we're reading about this in First Peter, if is this what we're living, if we're living in this kingdom of God, that we're living in this, we're following the footsteps of Jesus? I think we should see suffering, because we're Jesus focused, but instead, like I said, we become focused on these issues we focus on anything that keeps us from focusing on the gospel message from focusing on what the cross really means that that we aren't suffering or if we are suffering we're suffering for all the wrong reasons we aren't suffering for the message of this cross we're not suffering for this we're not suffering for the gospel message the message as that we see in this passage the message where it says jesus bore our sins on the cross That Jesus removed our sins from us. That Jesus allows us to live in this kingdom of God as for a forgiven son, as a forgiven daughter. A forgiven son and daughter of our Father, who is God. And we're part of that kingdom. This everlasting kingdom. These kingdoms, they're not lasting. Kingdom of God, it's everlasting. I'm going to admit, suffering's not on the top of my list when I get up every day. I, I don't want to, it's not something I look, look forward to. But when we've been invited into this life with Jesus, and all of us receive this invitation, many of us have accepted this invitation. Many of us have begun this life with Christ. It'd be foolish for us to not realize that suffering is part of this life. But there's a problem. Are we suffering? Are we suffering For proclaiming the name of Jesus. Now suffering can take a lot of different forms. People coming after us. People calling us names. People saying things about us like they did in Jesus. Like we see in these verses. They came after Jesus. But are we suffering because we're proclaiming the kingdom of God. Because we're sharing the gospel. It says in this Jesus was called every name in the book. He's called all kinds of things. Yet he said nothing back. He suffered. He let God fight his battles. He died on the cross, it says, as a servant, to free us from sin, having his wounds heal our sins. Jesus, that was a lot of suffering. Jesus, I think, set the example. Because during his suffering, he was patient. He showed calmness. He showed confidence. Why? Because he knew his Father. He knew God was in control. Let's come back to what I talked about a few seconds ago. Are we suffering on the cross? Are we focused on what the cross means? The cross that Jesus died on to pay the penalty for my sin. Are we suffering because we're too focused on a cause that is not Jesus? a cause that's not focused on the kingdom of God, a cause, this cause that's out here, it might be a worthy cause, but it keeps us from being kingdom-minded, keeps us from seeing the cross, seeing this cross of of Jesus for what it really is, the cross that Jesus died on to bear our sins, to give us forgiveness, forgiveness we didn't deserve. Remember some of those horrible presentations I brought up of, of the cross that I mentioned? Did that seem like Jesus? Did that seem like that represented the kingdom? Did that seem like that was kingdom-minded? Putting a cross on someone's yard because of the color of their skin? No. No way. That's not Jesus. Jesus. The people, I think, they're caught up in the, emotion of the emotions. They're caught up in this movement. And they might be convinced this is God's work, but it's not. I don't see God in that. I have a hard time finding Jesus in that. I have a hard time finding this example that Jesus gave us on the cross as being a servant. Enduring suffering. Suffering to the point that he had this humiliating death on the cross, paying the penalty for a bunch of sinners like us that didn't deserve it. but there's human sin and there's evil in this world and this evil and this sin still exists in this world. Listen to this quote I found this week. It says, Sin still exists. The sinful nature still rears its head and temptations still come. But believers have the power of the Holy Spirit and the knowledge that their sin has already paid for and forgiven. Our evil desires, our bondage to sin, our love of sin died with Christ on the cross. I want us to look at Romans 6, 11 through 13. It says, So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through, the, through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God For you are dead, but now you are a new life. So you use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Maybe I should ask that question again now. What does the Bible, what does the cross mean to you? Does it mean freedom from sin? Does it mean that there was a price paid for my sin on that cross? Does it mean that there was an innocent man? There was an innocent man, Jesus, that paid the price for my my sin, Maybe we see the cross as its life. So here's the cross. The cross, it was meant for death, but it resulted in life. Resulted in the death of our bondage to sin. Or death of our love for sin. Evil and sin, like I said, it still exists. Hear me on that. It doesn't mean that we won't have temptations. But we are no longer controlled by that sin because we are forgiven our debt has been paid and we are a new creation and have a new life we are no longer ruled by sin our sin no longer holds us captive we are no longer controlled by our sin we've been set free we give ourselves when we give ourselves completely over to god we're free from that sin we recognize the significance of the cross is not something to fear but something that gives us life the wounds of Jesus on that Christ cross that healed us. Before we finish, we gotta look at this last verse. Last verse. Let me let me read it for you again, or look at it again. It'll be on the screen. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you're named and kept for good by the Shepherd of your souls all of us in this room, one time or or not, or maybe we're still, we were lost sheep. We've been those lost sheep. I want us to do something. I want you all of you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Everyone in this room, remember, sin doesn't control me anymore, so I'm not going to do anything to you. I I want you to think of your life before Jesus. Or if you don't know Jesus, you haven't heard Jesus call your name yet, think of your life now. What did your life feel like? What was your life like? Did it feel like life? Think about maybe, was I trapped in sin? Think about how what that feels like. Feeling like maybe this, I'm trapped and I've got no way out. I'm this captive to sin. Were you fearful? Maybe you're, you were living in fear. Maybe you were feeling lost, but you don't know who you are. You don't know where, where, you, where you're coming from, like this verse says. Verse says, we're lost sheep. Man, no idea where your life was going. No idea who you really were. No, didn't know who your identity was. Keep your eyes closed. Just sit in that for a little bit. Just think about that. Where was my life before Jesus. Listen to these words at the end of the verse. It says, now you are named, kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. The shepherd. Jesus is that shepherd. Jesus has come for his lost sheep. His lost sheep that were lost. You're lost because you decided to go your own way. You were like a sheep that said, ah, I'm not going to stay with her. I'm going to go do my own thing. you hear Jesus calling your name? Jesus, he's calling your name. He wants to bring you home. And it says Jesus knows your name. He knows every single one of our names. He's calling you right now. If you haven't already, run to him. Run to the shepherd. This shepherd, he came to forgive your sins. He's not going to keep a record of it. He's not going to hold it against you. Because it says the shepherd, he's already forgiven you. So run into his arms. He's, as he runs, as he calls you. Run into your arm, his arms. Let him heal you. Let him take you home. Let him lead you. Okay, open your eyes. There is that question: What does the cross mean to you? Maybe it makes you angry. Maybe you're still fearful of the cross. Maybe you find comfort in the cross. Maybe you find hope in the cross. Maybe we can see this cross as, as maybe the shepherd, the good shepherd. We can see it as Jesus. The shepherd that we see giving his life on that cross to save his sheep, to save us. The shepherd that he's already forgiven us by his death on that cross. And this blows me away. A shepherd that knows every one of us by name. A shepherd that he's searching for us. He's going to call out our name. He, shepherd that he's not going to give up on us. He won't give up searching for you. A shepherd who wants nothing more than to find that lost sheep and to bring it home. Shepherd that's never going to leave you. It's never going to leave us. Shepherd that's going to protect us. Shepherd that laid down his life for us. The cross, as I said, dry history, lots of different crosses. Lots of different meanings. (coughs) But we have this (laughs) simple wooden cross. It's not fancy. Some people might even think it's ugly. Something that maybe could be something as fear. Its original intent was to cause fear. But we don't have anything to fear. Because that cross represents life. Represents that the good shepherd. Represents Jesus that died for us. That paid the price for us. Paid the price for our sins. Gave us life. But you got to choose to follow that good shepherd. You got to choose to follow Jesus. A wooden cross that meant for death but we find life I'm just gonna end with the question what does the cross mean to you lord just thank you lord thank you for this image of the cross that, that your son you gave your son you sacrificed your son on that cross for us for us, a bunch of sinners that that we don't deserve it, but you love us so much that you that you sent your son on the cross, Lord. This son that is that is the good shepherd, shepherd that takes care of his sheep, shepherd that that goes and finds that lost sheep, never gives up, shepherd that knows his sheep, he knows us by name, shepherd that's already forgiven us. Shepherd that gave his life for us so that we can have life. If there's anybody in this room right now that maybe maybe when your eyes were closed or even right now, you, you heard that shepherd call your name. And you've never, you've never responded. Maybe you kept running. But you heard that voice and today's different. Today's different and and you want to come home. You hear that. You hear your name being called. You want to receive that forgiveness. You want to receive that life. You want to receive the life that Jesus provides us by dying on that cross, forgiving our sins. That's you. Just just maybe raise your hand and look up at me and and just say yes. Yes to Jesus. I'm coming home. Saying yes. Lord, Just again, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. In your name we pray, amen.